It's been one year since Taiwan closed its borders to keep out COVID-19. And as you can see, we are once again celebrating spring. That's right. We're at the Taipei Rose Festival at the Taipei Rose Garden. More about this and a snapshot of where we're at in the pandemic. That's right. And a little bit later on in our show, we're also going to be talking with someone at the CDC who's going to explain the plans for vaccinating the nation. I'm Andrew Ryan. I'm Natalie So. First, let's take a look at the stories on our radar. The government is working to ensure that the current water shortage does not impact production of semiconductors. The pledge came from Economics Minister Wang Meihua. Taiwan is home to TSMC, the world's largest semiconductor chip foundry. In 2019, TSMC used over 150,000 metric tons of water a day for its production. Wang says Taiwanese industry should have enough water to last through May. The organization Air Clean Taiwan has published its annual report on air pollution, and things are not looking good for the southern city of Kaohsiung. The report found that two of the city's districts have Taiwan's highest concentration of PM10. That's particulate matter smaller than 10 micrometers across. The group says that the gap in air quality between northern Taiwan and southern areas like Kaohsiung is continuing to grow. A store in Taipei is offering people with dementia the chance to become honorary manager for a day. Just one day each week helping out at the store is enough to slow down the advance of dementia. There are many people who could benefit from this program. Health ministry statistics show that 8% of people above the age of 65 in Taiwan suffer from dementia. That's at least 300,000 people. The sea goddess Mazu is used to traveling in style. Each year, her devotees carry her statues all across Taiwan in a series of religious parades. But she's never traveled quite like this before. A travel agency and an airline are teaming up to bring the goddess into the sky in a series of flights that will circle Taiwan and its outlying islands. Passengers will pray for Taiwan's well-being and an end to COVID-19. One year ago this week, Taiwan closed its borders to contain COVID-19. Now, this spring certainly feels different than last spring, right, Andrew? Absolutely. I mean, last spring, we had no idea what was coming. I was very nervous even to leave the house. I know we were very uh, vigilant and very cautious, and we didn't know what was coming. Um, I'm very grateful that Taiwan has handled the pandemic well. And also, I think the worst is behind us as we see many people being vaccinated around the world. That's right. And uh, a little bit later in our show, we're going to actually bring you a report card of how Taiwan has handled the pandemic. But first, we thought we would uh, stop and smell the roses, literally. That's right. <laughs> We've been walking in this elegant rose garden. Mm, it's so beautiful, isn't it? It is beautiful and a beautiful spring day as well. There are over 5,000 rose plants at the Taipei Rose Festival at the Taipei Expo Park. The roses are from all over the world and can be seen at the Taipei Rose Garden. Over 700 types of roses have flourished here, making it the largest collection of roses in northern Taiwan. Now, visitors can enjoy the Taipei Rose Festival any time of day or night through April 4th. I tell you, that was really fun to go out and I see the flowers. I loved it, going yeah. out on a spring day. Yes. Looking at the roses. Absolutely. Well, um, joining us in the studio right now is Stash Butler. He's going to give us a report card on how Taiwan has fared with COVID-19 this past year. That's right. Uh, I'm the man with the numbers today. Uh, <laughs> so it's been about a year since Taiwan closed its borders to most international air traffic. 
Uh, and we've come a long way in that time. And I'm just going to mm. be like the Christmas Carol, uh, showing you the ghosts of Taiwan's past, present, and future. Oh, excellent. Sounds good. Yes. So our first number from the past is 24. Now, when reports surfaced in Wuhan that there was this you know, strange virus going on on the 31st of December 2019, it was within 24 hours that the CDC in Taiwan instituted health checks on flights from Wuhan. Mm. Now, that kind of you know, rapid response was key to contain a pandemic. In its early stages, um, our next number is 99.5 percent. Now, in an interview in September 2020, uh, Taiwan's former vice president said that that was the number. 99.5 percent was the percentage of uh, quarantine citizens in Taiwan who obeyed the rules properly. That's wow. great. Yeah. 99.5 percent. We are so good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good citizens. They, they were the people that did quarantine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel so good. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. And that brings us on to our next number, uh, which is 51 million. Now, even before the pandemic hit, uh, Taiwan or Taiwanese people were very used to wearing masks. A lot of people wore medical masks out of yeah. concerns for health and, and air pollution and other things. So it's hardly a surprise that we were very quick to scale up production and then even begin donating those masks to other countries. Yeah. So 51 million is the number of masks that Taiwan had committed to donate to uh, other countries by uh, June 2020. That's so. That's so wonderful. That is. That's really. I'm. I'm quite proud of that. Actually. I am. I yeah. mean, we were able to lend a helping hand. Yeah. We had such a surplus. Yeah. So we've looked at the past. Let's move on to the present. Yeah. Right. So our first number from the present is 10. Now Taiwan has had a total of 10 fatalities from COVID-19. Now, of course, that's a lot fewer than most other industrialized nations. Um, but you've got to remember that with each of these numbers, all these statistics, it's easy to forget that there are people behind them. Mm. And so each one is an individual tragedy. Yes. Uh, next up is 990. That's the, the total of Taiwan's reported cases to date. Uh, and then finally, we come to just under 460,000. Now, that is the total of tests that Taiwan has carried out so far. Now, if you compare that to my home country of the UK, for example, um, we're carrying out currently three times as many every day. Wow. Every day. Every day. <laughs> That's a yeah. big contrast. Wow. Mm. So how does Taiwan get away with just doing that in a year? Well, I mean, essentially, it's just by doing what every other country is trying to do. It's stopping cases at the border. It's carrying out uh, contact tracing and it's properly enforcing quarantine. Except it's it started doing that earlier. And I much think it's earlier. much more vigilant about those things as that's well. Right. right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So and it's just a quick response is really key. Mm. And that's brought great things for Taiwan's future. Uh, so our next number is 4.6 percent. Now, that's the Taiwan government's best guess at what economic growth will be in 2021. That's incredible. Yeah. That's great. And that, really surprising, actually. Yeah, it's yeah. super fast. And that compares, that comes straight after Taiwan recorded just under 3% economic growth last year, which is 7% more than the IMF had predicted. Mm. Uh, and that was the fastest in Asia um, you know, faster than any other country and faster than China for the first time in 30 years. Incredible. Well, we didn't have a lockdown, so... Yeah, exactly. It's not allowed. Going, exactly. Right? Yeah, it was business as usual, you could say. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's partly, well, some people think it might be partly down to the fact uh, that just over 270,000 Taiwanese returned to Taiwan and stayed. Mm. That's as opposed to kind of leaving the country. And that's kind of brought this economic boom. I mean, I think we all know people who've 
Yeah, right. Yeah, we've interviewed people too. Well, Yang in the the music industry, and we hear a lot of people from Silicon Valley has come back. Yeah, that's right. Who want to do startups here? So we have a lot of great talent in Taiwan. Exactly, and and I mean that that number is just Taiwanese. We're not even talking about. Foreign residents who've come to Taiwan. I mean, <laughs> yeah, or those of us who chose to stay, like during the pandemic. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, and but of course, you know, these people have come to Taiwan, or most of them have come looking for one thing, and that's the kind of normal life that Taiwan can give people. Uh, where elsewhere we have kind of national lockdowns, but obviously, long term, what you need for a normal life is a vaccine, which brings mm. us on to our final number, which is forty-five million. Now that is the total number of vaccine doses that Taiwan hopes to procure.、Uh, I, I did an earlier explainer on exactly how that breaks down, but generally speaking, it's 25 million from foreign manufacturers and then 20 million from home. All right. All right. Well, vaccines are a very important part of our future, and I had the opportunity to talk with CDC Acute Infectious Diseases Division Director Dr. Yang Jinghui about their vaccine plan for Taiwan. Our goal for sixty-five percent. I think at least we need、uh, one year, almost, to complete. This is、really? the best estimation. Yes, most、uh, vaccine will coming in the half the next half years,、uh, from July to December. So during that time, I think we will、uh, mass a vaccination program. During that time, in, initially we will get the healthcare worker to as the top priority because they get the big risk to care for the、uh, suspected and confirmed COVID-19 cases. The second priority will be the quarantine and the public health, like these essential workers, and then we are going to. Others,、uh, essential workers like the police officer and the military and the long-term care facility. We also add one risk is who, if they have to go abroad because maybe due to business, you know, like our Olympic athletes, there will be the third category because they will have higher risk to go abroad. Maybe offer some self-pay vaccines to. People who need to go abroad. Dr. Yang actually said that they may be available for purchase、oh. um, at a certain point for people who want to travel. And I know that Health Minister Tsai Sizhou is quite ambitious. He wants to vaccinate everyone by the end of the year. Wow! So his view is a little bit more,、um, you know, ambitious than Dr. Yang's view, which are more conservative. Yeah,、so. maybe she's、uh, trying to lower expectations because you know Thomas does so well in every other aspect, right? So this is the one area that we're a little bit behind other countries. Right. Yeah. The question, though, I think is: once you get this vaccine, will you be, you know, ready to get on a plane? Go, I want to travel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I think I'll, I'll still try and follow all the precautions, you know, wearing a mask and so on. But, yeah. But because you still, I mean, they're still not sure if there is the risk of transmitting the disease once you've been vaccinated.、Uh, so you're kind of thinking of others. But but yeah, I think I'd feel I think I'd feel ready to go. Well, we asked、uh, the CDC's Dr. Young, and here's what she had to say about that. You got vaccinated. Would you feel comfortable going on a plane to another country? You feel safe? Not yet. Yeah. Every all the world got vaccinated over nine sixty percent or seventy percent, which means the incidence, the incidence in the world is lower. Then it will be easier or getting comfortable to come out. 
the WHO still recommend even after with the vaccination, we cannot just uh, lifting the travel ban or lifting all the social distancing, this uh, quarantine, this procedure, because the incidence now over the world still high. Daily, we have 10,000 cases increase over the world. And uh, at present, we still not uh, confirm the vaccination less for how long. So before we can clear understand and all the incidents in the world is uh, lower, I think it will still have to wear mask and social distancing. But the vaccination is uh, individual protection. If you want to protect yourself, you can wear mask, you can keep social distancing, and you can have a seat. When do you think that the world is going to return to normal? Or will it ever return to normal with, with this pandemic? As my opinion, I think maybe one or two years after most people, we have more data from the study of the vaccination and we have more data about the virus and the variants. One or two years, I think we can have more clear evidence for all this, and then we would have a way to prevent this disease and then back to normal. Well, it looks like the world will be fighting COVID for some time. The whole interview with CDC official Dr. Yang will be up on Facebook and YouTube. Today's brain game is totally different from any brain game that we've ever done before, right? That's because we're a team. That's we're, right. We're playing you, together. Usually we know what's going on, but today we have no idea. Uh, we have a brand new quiz master, Reese Ayers. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks Great to for have uh, you. Yeah, you'll be working together today to Exciting. try and answer these questions. I know that you've been out uh, exploring the flower markets of Taipei. The flower festival, yeah. Flower yes. festival. You've been about, around some roses. Mm -hmm. So yes. I thought I'd prepare a flower-themed game for you guys Wonderful. today. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's called Floral Connections. A great title, I know. Wow. And basically, <laughs> I'm going to be throwing up some pictures on the screen, and all four of those pictures have some kind of connection, and that connection is a flower. Now, the pictures could be of people, places, or things. You guys need to tell me which one flower connects those things. Oh, wow. Oh, interesting. Okay? Yes. You ready for this? Yeah. I think so. It might be difficult. <laughs> I'm excited. Lucky you're a team. All right, let's have a look at the first one. Okay, so there are four images here. You want to talk okay. about what they are? So there's a shower spraying water. Mm-hmm. Wax and apple? some wax apples. Some wax apples. Delicious. The bottom left looks like the twin pagodas in Kaohsiung, yeah? That's exactly what they and are. And a sports car. And a Maserati. Now, there's a flower that links these four things together. Can you guess what that flower is? Oh, my gosh. That's mm. hard. Maybe if you say the names of the things out wax loud. Wax apple. What's wax apple in Chinese? Lian. 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 Lotus. There we are. Oh, lotus. Okay. Oh, yeah, it looks like a lotus, the, the shower head. Lotus is the connection. And mm. so then the bottom one, the Gaosha one, that's Lian. The uh, lotus pond, Lian's, is it? Lotus yeah. Lake? The name of the lake is the Lian uh, Shitan. Uh, Lian Shitan. Uh, Lian Shitan. Yeah. Yeah. What about the sports car? The sports car is a British brand called Lotus. Oh. oh. Yeah, really? <laughs> there we are. Cool. 
Sure. Yeah. That was fun. Okay. Lotus. Okay, let's let's take a look at the second one. So the top left is a Japanese cartoon. I think it's Labi Shaoxin, right? That's the one. Okay. Okay. And then that's、uh, is that Van Gogh? It is Vincent Van Gogh. Then we have a picture of Sun Zhongshan, right?、Mm-hmm. In front、so、of the legislature? flag. During a specific moment in history.、Uh, I know. Sunflower movement. Sunflower.、Oh, yeah. So it's a sunflower. <laughs> it's sunflower. Yeah, it's a sunflower. Can we guess the connection of the other pictures? I mean, Vincent Van Gogh. Okay. He likes sunflowers. He likes, He likes sunflowers. to paint sunflowers. He famously painted sunflowers. So in the bottom right-hand corner, we didn't mention there's a picture of socks. Yeah. I believe there's a, a brand called Sunflower. Well, they're actually called Sanhua, but San in、Hua. English they're called Sunflower. Okay.、Oh, yeah. Really? How about Labi Shaoxin? Do you know the connection there? I all I、like、know about is, I only know about elephants. So in the <laughs> in the cartoon that he's from, his class is actually the sunflower class. Oh, yeah, sunflower shopan. Oh, cute. Yeah, very cute.、Oh, all right,、okay. good job, guys. You're killing it. Next one. So on oh, this is gonna be hard. Bottom right,、difficult. I can do. That's whiskey.、Mm-hmm. It's Gavilan whiskey. Gavilan whiskey. Uh, um, there's actually, a lady in the in the upper right corner. Yeah, she looks very glamorous. She looks glamorous. I don't know who that is.、Hmm. Um, she is an Aboriginal Taiwanese actress. I actually know what the flower is, but I think we should describe the rest、oh, so, of it. No, okay. <laughs>、um, is that、uh, are those butterflies in the upper left corner? No, it's actually a mantis. A mantis.、Oh. Yes. Okay. And in the bottom left, we have a picture of China with highlighted one of the provinces. Okay, it's Gansu Province. Gansu. I think it's orchid, butterfly orchids. Yeah, the answer is orchid, and the connection is that the capital city of Gansu Province is Lanzhou. Oh, oh, like Lanhua the land. Yes. So that's how you say orchid in Chinese. Orchid in Chinese is lan, and then I, we have the orchid mantis. Okay, orchid mantis. I know the bottom right is because the company that makes Gavilan also makes it grows a lot of orchid flowers. Yeah, and it's based also in Ilan. Ilan. Okay. Right, and Ilan, the lan in Ilan means orchid, and the woman in the top right. That her, must be、uh, Tang Lanhua. Yes, that's her name, <laughs> Yulanana Tanavu. Yeah, she's yeah. A, an Aboriginal Aboriginal actress. Her name is Lanhua. And she has、yeah. orchid in her, her name. Her name is Orchid. Yeah. yeah. So they all have orchid in the name、oh. or orchid in the origins.、Oh, that's so cool. You guys killed it. Those are all the questions. Wow, wow that was fun. That was fun.、Uh, I'm glad you guys could work together to、great. answer all of those pretty well. I'm glad we could work together too. Yes. Because I wouldn't have gotten. <laughs> well, thank you so much to Reese Ayers for、uh, being our quiz master of the day. Thanks for having me. And our question of the day is: What has been the most challenging part of this past year, Leslie?、Uh, so for me, it's、uh, 2 p.m. <laughs> Every day, 2 p.m. at 20、uh, in 2020. That's what time the Central Epidemic Command Center has their daily briefings at, and it was just. Really filled with anxiety at the beginning of the year. Yeah, you know, I remember I had an alarm set every day just to see <laughs>、really? what was going on, whether、wow. or not I had to pack my bags. Oh no! Big anxiety. <laughs> oh no! Seriously. Yeah. And how about you, Andrew? All right. Well, for me, homesick. Oh. I feel like you know. Of course, Taiwan is my home as well.、Uh, but I definitely miss my parents, my brother, sister-in-law, nieces. For me, that I think was the hardest part of the year because you know I haven't seen them since August of 2019. That's a and, long time. You know, I probably won't see them this August. It'll probably be next、oh. year, two and a half yes, years. Yes, I feel the exact same way, Andrew.、Oh, It's、yeah. family in the U.S. that I haven't been able to visit my dad, especially.、Mm. So I really look forward to traveling after we get the vaccine. Yeah, giving them all a big hug. Yes. Yeah. 
Well, thank you so much for joining us for this edition of Taiwan Insider. Be sure to connect with us on social media. Yes, subscribe, like us, and comment. We would love to hear from you. For Taiwan Insider, I'm Natalie So. I'm Leslie Liao, and I'm Andrew Ryan. See you next week. Today with Natalie So. It was a year ago today that Taiwan closed its borders in the wake of a pandemic that would overtake the world. Now Taiwan has had one of the most effective containments of COVID-19 in the world. Our population of over 23 million has had less than a thousand cases. And just ten deaths, and we didn't have to lock down the nation. We have, however, required everyone who wants to come into Taiwan to go through a 14-day quarantine. Now that millions of people around the world are getting vaccinated, does that mean the world will start returning to normal? And when will Taiwan lift its quarantine requirements? Well, today I speak with Taiwan's Centers for Disease Control Division Director of Acute Infectious Diseases, Dr. Yen Jinghui. We talk about how effective these vaccines will be, and what that will mean for travel bans, quarantines, and the normalcy of people's lives. Now, Taiwan has not even started vaccinating anyone yet, so I asked her first what the CDC plans are to vaccinate. The population in Taiwan. Purchase enough vaccine to cover about 65% of the Taiwan population. Our goal for 65%. I think at least we need uh, one year, almost, to complete. This is the best estimation. Yes, most uh, vaccine will coming in the the next half years. From July to December, so during that time, I think we will mass vaccination program during that time. But in each in the beginning few months, we will arrange our vaccination program according to the vaccine we have. So there's going to be a priority of who can get the vaccine first, right? Yes. In initially, we will get the healthcare worker to as the top priority because they get the big risk to care for the suspected and confirmed COVID-19 cases. The second priority will be the quarantine and the public health, like these essential workers, and then we are going to others, uh, essential workers like the police officer and the military and the long-term care facility. We also add one risk is who, if they have to go aboard because maybe due to business, you know, like our Olympic athletes, they would be the third category because they would have higher risk to go aboard, maybe offer some self-pay vaccines to people who need to go aboard, but this priority would be lower, maybe after our essential workers, at least uh, they complete their 
uh, vaccination, then we will uh, have some vaccine to uh, get into the free market that, that people to get. And uh, after the essential workers, the, the next priority will be the who are vulnerable to this disease. First is the elderly, those above 65 years old, then is the from 16 years to 64 years, but they with a comorbidity. And then we were open to all people about 16 years old. When do you expect the average citizen to be able to get vaccinated? Um, it's a, a difficult question. We hope we can do it very quickly, but as you know, that this vaccine uh, is totally different from the previous flu vaccine. In the flu season, we can do six million doses within three months, but it's only one shot for flu. This need two shots. We hope we can do it uh, at least uh, 50% by the end of the year. So can you tell me how effective do you think the vaccine will be in preventing someone from getting COVID-19? The BNT vaccine or Moderna vaccine, they can have over 90% uh, effective to prevent that, to get disease. And the AstraZeneca at least for 70 to 80% to prevent the disease. But this is a prevent a symptomatic disease. If we want to prevent a severe disease, all these three vaccines have over 90% effective. So if you got vaccinated, you can prevent to get severe disease. So it, at present evidence for prevent severe disease is very strong. That's good to know. Um, but I'm also curious if someone is vaccinated, are they um, unable to carry the virus? Can they still be contagious to other people? Yes, it's possible. So even you are vaccinated, we still need the non-pharmaceutical pre uh, intervention like a social distancing, wear mask to help yourself and protect others for the, for this disease. You're listening to Taiwan Today, and I am speaking with Taiwan Centers for Disease Control Division Director of Acute Infectious Diseases, Dr. Yang Jinghui, about vaccines in Taiwan. Next, she tells us when she thinks the world will return to normal. Taiwan Today with Natalie So. The sound of the Puyuma tribe on Radio Taiwan International. Country. This is the sound of Taiwan. 
头一个阿伯拢我哩叫。欢迎台湾Would you feel comfortable going on a plane to another country? You feel safe? Not yet. Not yet. Every all the world got vaccinated over nine sixty percent or seventy percent, which means the incidence, the incidence in the world is lower. Then it will be easier or getting comfortable to come out. The WHO still recommend even after with the vaccination, we cannot. Just、uh, lifting the travel ban or lifting all the social distancing, this、uh, quarantine, this procedure, because the incidence now over the world still high. Daily we have ten thousand cases increase over the world, and、uh, at present we still not、uh, confirm the vaccination lasts for how long. So before we can clear understand and all the incidence in the world is. Uh, slower, I think we still have to、uh, wear mask and social distancing. But the vaccination is、uh, individual protection. If you want to protect yourself, you can wear mask, you can keep social distancing, and you can have vaccine. So Taiwan will still require people to get tested for COVID nineteen and be quarantined, even if they've been vaccinated. At present, yes. Like to come into town. Yes,、uh, until we have more evidence to、uh, support that the vaccinated people will not、uh, have can have、uh, would not transmit disease to others. We will continue present、uh, procedure as WHO's recommendation. When do you think that the world is going to return to normal, or will it ever return to normal with with this pandemic? As my opinion, I think maybe one or two years after most people, we have more data from the study of the vaccination, and we have more data about the virus and the variants. One or two years, I think we can have more clear evidence for all this, and then we would have a way to prevent this disease, and then. Back to normal. So, actually, I think one to two years. Maybe next year we can come back to normal life. Really?、Um, can I ask you a question about politics? How much do you think that politics relations with China will affect、um, vaccines in Taiwan or affect、uh, you know Taiwan's relations with the world? Vaccines and politics. Do you have any thoughts about that? 
Paris is a difficult question, but you know it, it's true it, because we are not a member state of WHO, and we cannot attend the WHO's meeting or conversation. So it this um it would have some uh, difficult for us to get some information. Mm. But Taiwan has done very well despite our political challenges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we try our best. And can you give us any uh, last words about vaccines? Any advice for the general public? Uh, I think vaccine is uh, the best way to protect yourself from this disease. As we know, pre, pre, uh, pre, now the available vaccine can prevent the severe disease and can prevent uh, and that the disease incidence seems to going down if you get vaccinated. So. If the vaccine available to everybody, especially if you can, the vaccine is available to you, please vaccinate the vaccine and then keep well masked, clean hands, and uh, keep social distancing and await the end of the epidemic. Well, thank you very much, uh, Ms. Yang Jinghui. She's the Division Director of Acute Infectious Diseases at the Taiwan Centers for Disease Control. Thanks so much for speaking with me. Thank you. What do you know about Taiwan? I know who the president is. What about their local music and food? Well, hmm, what do you suggest? Tune in to Radio Taiwan International. Here at RTI, we offer the authentic Taiwan experience. You hear the sound of remote attractions, the local food, music, the lives of real Taiwanese as they live it. Visit english.rti.org.tw. Listen to the real Taiwan. is served. Join Andrew Ryan and Ellen Chu as they sample their way through Taiwan's culinary delights. Andrew! I thought we said no more intestines! <clears throat> That's on Feast Meets West. Every Saturday, only on Radio Taiwan International. Radio for refined palates. Time Machine. Today's time traveler is John Van Trieste. And the destination Taipei 1980. <laughs> On the evening of March 31st, 1980, at around 8 p.m., Wang Huimin is in a downtown Taipei office. A radio is on in the background, playing a news bulletin.
It's a piece about a department store worker who solves crimes, way more interesting than the usual fare. She writes everything down. This may seem like a strange thing to do, but this wasn't everyday news. Each stack of paper is marked top secret, with instructions inside telling you to burn everything if necessary. The broadcast, aimed at Taiwan, was coming from the other side, communist China. Ms. Wang was part of a secret government project to listen into these broadcasts. Taiwan was still under martial law, so this was not the kind of station most people would have dared to tune into. We know all of this because there's a typewritten transcript of her notes sitting right in front of me. Her surname is in the margins. It comes from the yellowing stacks of these reports that now sit in RTI's library. Ms. Wang has graciously stepped out of retirement for an afternoon to tell us more about her career as a secret listener. She says she entered RTI's predecessor in 1972. She already had experience as a typist in a publishing company, and her father was already working here. Her father told her to forget everything she'd done at the end of each day and to tell anyone who asked that she was a typist. After all, that's what she was. One big question that comes out straight away is how people would type Chinese anyway. Ms. Wang describes how it was done. They used a sort of printing press. You'd pick everything out, arrange it on a grid, and roll the paper on top. Luckily for them, the broadcasts were tediously predictable. To make things easier, they'd have common words like Marxism and proletariat ready to go in advance. Of course, there could not be any mistakes. And Ms. Wang recalls that this could be a problem. It was all fine if a newsreader was speaking. They had carefully manicured radio accents. But many officials speaking on the radio never managed to shake off their local accents. And Ms. Wang recalls that this made trying to copy down what they said a nightmare. Fortunately, the station staff had fled to Taiwan from all parts of China. So when a communist official said something that wasn't quite clear, they could count on having someone from nearby to help answer their questions. What did the average Taiwanese think about the mainland at this time? You certainly couldn't go there. Ms. Wang says there was no knowledge about the place at all. Even children of mainlanders like herself were told that they were so poor over there that they had to eat rubber. Of course, she laughs, we now know the mainlanders said the same thing about us, that we had to eat banana peels to survive. But she adds, if we had to eat banana peels, where did all the bananas go? What did Ms. Wang make of the broadcasts? Did she end up having a favorite announcer or segment? No. She says every broadcast was the same, forgettable and boring. The only change came during the 90s, when announcers dropped the shrill and barking style they had used and shifted to smooth tones. They also added music shows. She also remembers being amused at a program bragging that all the farmers at a local farm had electric lighting. She remembers thinking, we already have TVs and refrigerators, and they're still bragging about lights? But changes were coming to both sides. On older copy like this stack here, 
Every single article starts with the same character, Fei, or bandits. The bandits were the communists, of course. The mainland was the bandit area, and the broadcasts Ms. Wang listened to came from the bandit station. The change to more neutral terms like Chinese communists and the mainland came later on in her career. I want to hear more about what an average day was like for her. I show her the same page we started with. <laughs> That's my work, she says, flipping through the pages. She says that after her unit was shut down, one new head manager took the instructions written on the papers literally and had most of them burned. Though she never connected with any of the stories she wrote down, knowing that decades of your work have gone up in actual smoke is definitely not a good feeling. Only a small number of these stacks remain. Many of them preserved by one coworker who smuggled them home. With her work now back in front of her, I ask her if they were listening out for something in particular, a code word perhaps. No, she says, there wasn't anything like that. Though the authorities did make sure that the first copy of everything they did was sent directly to the president. In other words, though their activities were secret, they weren't living James Bond lifestyles. Quite the opposite, I discover when I ask her if it was a happy time. She says yes. She had a stable income. She'd been doing typing anyway, and though her previous job working with translated pieces could be more interesting. The job she did here was easy, and with six-hour working days too. She says that women filled as many important jobs as men did, and then she stops. There are two names, the ones who signed off on this stack. They are two managers who aren't alive anymore. She had been the youngest when she joined. She says they were a tight-knit group of mainland exiles. Her father introduced everyone as her aunts and uncles. She says there was never any rule that prevented local Taiwanese from taking a job there, but the fact was that almost all of them were mainlanders until years later. I think this mainland background makes the answer to her next question very interesting. During works from the Cold War era, you often read slogans about smashing the communists and retaking the mainland. I ask if people really believed that that would happen one day. 蒋经国时代的时候，我们这边的一个副主任，他就是我们将来都要反攻大陆，要回。Whether local Taiwanese had any interest in this is another question, but in exiled families like hers, at least, there was no doubt about it. She says that her father's generation really thought this way, and she even remembers one station vice president about her father's age exhorting employees to work hard and prepare to take back their homes. She was born in Taiwan and had plenty of brothers and sisters here, so those kind of attachments and that kind of thinking don't seem to have lasted beyond the first generation. As she's already said, the mainland was closed off and mysterious to them, but for her parents, it was a home they always wanted to go back to. People who had fled to Taiwan like that came with a lot of heartbreak, and it was propaganda gold. I just said that there was a listener's message. We had one who was recording. One day, he was listening to it. Ms. Wang remembers listening to one program where letters from relatives back in China were read on air. One day, a sweet-voiced announcer came on the air, reading out yet another name and address. 
But this time, work in the office stopped. It was the elder sister of the typist sitting next to her, writing to ask how she was doing, if she'd gotten married or had kids. The typist broke down. They longed to go back. But hearing Ms. Wang describe it, it sounds as though their hometowns became increasingly imaginary places. In the late 1980s, she thinks it was, news came out that the ban was lifted and people could start going back to the mainland to visit relatives. Ms. Wang's parents rushed to pack their bags. She says they came back to Taiwan very disillusioned. After around 40 years, the place they had known was gone. In the mid-1990s, Ms. Wang's unit was shut down, and she was moved elsewhere. Her recollections of the late martial law years are definitely at odds with those of many others from outside the establishment, who remember this period as a much darker time. But we have to remember that this is history as she lived it. What she's given us is a very personal look at how a group of people went about their lives, while putting a human face on a secret project that went all the way to the very top. I'm John Van Trieste, and I hope you'll join me next week for another Journey Through Time. This is Highlights, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. studio right now is Stash Butler. He's going to give us a report card on how Taiwan has fared with COVID-19 this past year. That's right. Uh, I'm the man with the numbers today. Uh, <laughs> so it's been about a year since Taiwan closed its borders to most international air traffic. Uh, and we've come a long way in that time. And I'm just going to mm. be like the Christmas Carol, uh, showing you the ghosts of Taiwan's past, present and future. Oh, excellent. Sounds good. Yes. So our first number from the past is 24. Now, when reports surfaced in Wuhan that there was this you know, strange virus going on on the 31st of December 2019, it was within 24 hours that the CDC in Taiwan instituted health checks on flights from Wuhan. Mm. Now, that kind of you know, rapid response was key to containing a pandemic in its early stages. Um, our next number is 99.5%. Now, in an interview in September 2020, uh, Taiwan's former vice president said that that was the number, 99.5%, was the percentage of uh, quarantine citizens in Taiwan who obeyed the rules properly. That's wow. great. Yeah. 99.5%. We are so good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Such good citizens. They, they were the people that did quarantine. <laughs> yeah. 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 I feel so good. <laughs> uh, exactly, yeah. And that brings us on to our next number, uh, which is 51 million. Even before the pandemic hit, uh, Taiwan or Taiwanese people were very used to wearing masks. A lot mm. of people wore medical masks out yeah. of concerns for health and, and air pollution and other things. So it's hardly a surprise that we were very quick to see scale up production, and then even begin donating those masks to other countries. Yeah. So 51 million is the number of masks that Taiwan had committed to donate to uh, other countries by uh, June 2020. That's so that's so wonderful. That is. That's really, I'm, I'm quite proud of that, actually. I am. I yeah. mean, we were able to lend a helping hand. Yeah. We had such a surplus. Yeah. So we've looked at the past. Let's move on to the present. Yeah, right. So our first number from the present is 10. Now, Taiwan has had a total of 10 fatalities from COVID-19. 
Now, of course, that's a lot fewer than most other industrialized nations. Um, but you've got to remember that with each of these numbers, all these statistics, it's easy to forget that there are people behind them. Mm. And so each one is an individual tragedy. Yes. Next up is 990. That's the, the total of Taiwan's reported cases to date. Uh, and then finally, we come to just under 460,000. That is the total of tests that Taiwan has carried out so far. If you compare that to my home country of the UK, for example, um, we're carrying out currently three times as many every day. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. <laughs> 